Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. summer series with me, Janet Dennison. I'm excited to teach you some of my favorite passages of scripture this summer, beginning with Psalm 119, which I've titled, The ABCs of a Faithful Life. Psalm 119 is a perfect place to dive into scripture and discover the importance of God's word for your life. When we look at this psalm in its entirety, we will uncover priceless gems that reveal the character of God and His great love for us. So welcome to a study of Psalm 119, God's instruction manual for a faithful life. Let's look at this week's lesson. Welcome to the last lesson of Psalm 119, Lesson 6. Oftentimes we've heard a preacher talk about the peace that knowing God's Word brings and the peace that passes understanding that Jesus or Paul wrote about. Um, this is the one of the best ways to know that God is present and at work in your life. You've known people going through some difficult circumstances in their life, and yet they have and exemplified and exude the peace of God. As the psalmist comes to the end of his psalm, that's what he wants to hand all of us. He wants us to know his God. He wants us to walk with his God. He wants us to realize there are struggles associated with the world and walking with God. He wants us to know everything that he's taught in this psalm. And so he closes it with his heart speaking. And you'll hear his soul teach in this last few stanzas. How is it that one book can contain everything we need to know in order to know God? That is the miracle of this volume of verses that we call the Bible. It doesn't tell us everything we can know. It doesn't tell us everything we want to know. But God's word was inspired, created, and preserved so that every human being throughout history could know their creator and know how to spend eternity with him. That's the purpose of God's word. And so he begins this last lesson with uh, the next stanza, which call, is called Kuf. It starts with a Q, but it sounds like a K. Kuf is how you say this Hebrew word. And these verses describe the life that is dedicated to knowing and living according to God's word. 
the psalmist writes, with my whole heart, I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. Walking with God is what we do all day, every day, even when we don't realize it. The psalmist knows that his best days are the days he cries out for God's voice. He cries out for God's wisdom. He wants to be right with God. And so before he goes to bed at night, he meditates on his word. He begins and ends with wanting to know God's voice. I think one of the most important things to do is to start your day with God's word every day. In prayer, in conversation, consuming a passage of the Bible, there's always an opportunity to gain wisdom every time you open the Bible. It's why we call it God's Word. He speaks to us from the pages. And at the end of the day, if your last thought is, how'd it go today, God? Did I walk with you? That's what it means to begin and end your day with God's voice. That's what it means to begin and end your day with God's voice. What then is it, does it mean to learn God's word and to make it a lifelong pursuit? In verse 149, he says, Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. Do you know that God loves you so much? He's hearing you every moment. He's listening. He's wanting you to talk to him. Oh, Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law, but you are near, O oh Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. When I think of the person, the psalmist that wrote Psalm 119, I think of someone who has lived a long and a full life, who's experienced the normal ups and downs that all of us experience, who've experienced strong and godly influence as well as those that influence us to be less than who God would want us to be. He writes, long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. As I get older, one of the things I know is I can't find one single verse of God's word that has been disproven. The next stanza is called Raish. What is the blessing we gain from dedicating our lives to God's word and to living according to it? In verse 153, the psalmist says, Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me, 
Give me life according to your promise. That may not mean what it first sounds like. Look on my affliction and deliver me. Lord, you look at this life and you know I have my weaknesses. Deliver me from those things. Deliver me from the things that make me less than you'd want me to be as your child. I don't want to forget your law, but we do, don't we? We do make choices where we don't even consider what God might would have wanted. He pled his cause. He knows that God redeems our wrong choices. And he knows that God is the author of life and life eternal. Why? Because God promised that. So there's a common question that I often get asked, and you probably do too, or maybe it's something you've wondered yourself. I know I have. It's a question we all have to answer at some point in accordance with God's word. I remember when I wanted to believe that the love of God and the grace of God meant that everyone goes to heaven. But there is not a verse in scripture that can teach that. In verse 155, the psalmist writes, salvation is far from the wicked for they do not seek your statutes. There's a lot in that verse. If something is far away from you, it's out of your reach. The psalmist is saying salvation is out of reach for those who don't seek what you have said is true. That's what this verse means. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life. How? According to your rules. We can't change what God has told us is true. And I can honestly say from having taught Bible for a long time now, there are no verses in scripture that promise that everyone will be saved. It's just not there. It's not the truth of God's word. And so every person you see in this world is either going to spend eternity in heaven or they are not. And how important is it for us to understand that that was true in Genesis and it remained true all the way through the book of Revelation. And God's character has not changed. His laws have not changed. We are given salvation according to God's rules. What he said is true. Jesus said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the truth. Those who have placed their lives, their faith, their eternity in the sacrificial blood of Jesus, in receiving the sacrifice he made, they are the ones who have aligned their lives and have believed God's word. And we live according to that statute. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the person that he is, the name, the character, the acts, the works. 
The fact that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We believe on the totality of God's word. We believe his statutes, and we are therefore saved. The psalmist knew that, and we need to know that too. He writes, Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. We have not been given permission to edit God's word according to what feels more true. We cannot edit or change the truth of God's word. We can only swerve from it if we don't believe it. The psalmist in verse 158 writes, I look at the faithless with disgust. That word means I look at those who do not have faith and I do not want to be influenced. I do not want what they believe to impact what I know is true because they do not keep your commands. The ways, their beliefs, their influence is something I don't want. It disgusts me. It makes me want to avoid it. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. One of the great lessons we learn is this. We are not saved because of how well we live. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave us his Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We aren't saved because of our faith. We are saved because of our faith in Christ. It's Christ, his grace, that saves us. And that was the grace of God. Jesus is the grace gift of God for our salvation. Give me life, the psalmist says, according to your steadfast love. The sum of your words is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. You will always be able to trust God's word because it has always endured, and it always will. The next stanza is called Sheen. It looks like sin or shin, but it's pronounced Sheen. Why do we not want to disappoint God, our Father? In verse 161, the psalmist writes, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. The most powerful people in the world can disagree with the word of God. We still stand and our heart stands in awe of what God has taught, because we know it's true, even if the most powerful people in the world don't believe it. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. God's word, discovering the truths of it in your life, finding out that what it teaches is true, is your great reward. It's like finding a treasure. It's victory, according to the psalmist 
and according to those of us who have taught it for a long time, knowing what God has taught and coming to realize the truth of it in our lives is like finding a treasure that sustains us. Why should we love God's laws, not just like them, not just respect them, not just grudgingly obey? Why should we love God's word? The psalmist says in 163, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. One of the best ways to know what's not true is to know what is. There's an illustration about those who work for the government that are there to detect counterfeit money. They do not study the counterfeit bills. They study the real thing. By studying the real $100 bill, then they can look at the one that is counterfeit and detect what's wrong with it, even the most subtle differences. That's why we learn God's word, so that the more we become experts in knowing what it says, the more easy it is to detect falsehood and lies. He says, seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. By the way, the number seven in scripture is complete. He's saying all day. I praise you because what you've said is true. Your rules are right and are right with God. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. God's laws are righteous because God is righteous. We are righteous, right with him, when we are right with his laws. And I love this verse, I want to say it again, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Nothing. If you've fallen in the past, it wasn't that God stuck his foot out there to trip you up. He was shouting what you needed to know in your soul, through his Holy Spirit, and mostly off the pages of his word. God wants you to walk firmly, steadfastly, held by him. We stumble because we trip over what we choose to believe is true instead of walking in that solid path of what is. In 166, the psalmist writes, I hope for your salvation. It's my hope. When everything else seems going wrong, I can hope in the fact that one day I'll be saved and with you. My hope is the fact that this life, this world is not all there is. Oh Lord, I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. God sees you right now. He knows what you're thinking and feeling right now. The psalmist loves God because God has cared for him and taught him his whole life. 
I wish that for all of us, that we can love God like the one who wrote Psalm 119 loves God. Tav is the next strophe or stanza. It talks about the natural consequences of living this earthly life in love with God and in love with his teaching. He talks about what it is to pray out of that relationship with our Heavenly Father. In 169, he says, Let my cry come before you. O Lord, give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. He wants his prayer life. He wants his knowledge of God's word to give him understanding of God, not just knowing about God, but knowing him, sitting with him, talking to him as God talked to Moses, as one friend to another. He says, let my pleas, let my prayers come before you and deliver me according to your word. How many times have you prayed for something only to find out later it wasn't really what you wanted, but you'd asked for it with great desire? That's what he means when he says, let my pleas come before you, but when you deliver me, let it be according to your word, your will. So why does the fact we study God's word cause us to know God in our lives? In 171, he says, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. I wanted to teach Psalm 119, not so that you would know my teaching on God's word. I wanted to teach this psalm so that you would know God's word will speak to you. The Holy Spirit, as you read God's word, will teach you what you need to know. I don't know you, quite possibly. I don't know what you need from God's word in your life. But I do know that if you will read and study God's word and seek it as truth, believe it as truth, I know that you can know God like this psalmist knew God. I can know God that way if we will just sit with his word and listen to him talk to us. His commandments are right. And the psalmist writes, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. God will help you to live according to his plan if you will just give him that place in your life. And he says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. I long for my salvation. Do you look forward to that time when you are existing in the perfection of heaven and you see 
your Lord face to face and all of those that have preceded you? Do you ponder heaven with fear or do you look forward to those moments when it's not hard ever again, when it's not a struggle ever again, when being holy is who we are, not who we're trying to be. That's what the psalmist longed for. That's what I long for. And so our daily prayers should be like this psalmist when he said, let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. The last thing the psalmist wants to say to everyone and what the psalmist wants to say to God is he wants his soul, the most important part of who we are, the part of us that is eternal and forever. He wants his soul to praise God. He wants God's rules to help him through this life. And then he confesses, I know I've gone astray like a lost sheep. How many times has someone writing in scripture described themselves as a sheep? Jesus described us as sheep. It's not the greatest compliment in the world. Sheep are not intelligent animals. Sheep are defenseless. One of the greatest needs in our life, this psalmist knew that, and he knew God well, but he knew he was still in this lifetime a sheep, hoping for salvation, needing God to hold him, to guide him, needing God's rules to sustain him. And so the key is to ask God to seek his servant. This is not someone who instructs God as to what we believe is true. A servant is one who looks to God and says, not my will, God, but yours. You're the master. You're the one who has the ability to know what's right. I'm a sheep. You're the shepherd. Help me, Lord, not to wander off. But if I do, pursue me, God. Find me and bring me back. That lesson has been true from Genesis to the book of Revelation. God is after us. And it's the servants who know not to wander off. So the last word of the psalm is help me, God, not to forget what you have commanded. I hope this study of Psalm 119 will be that for you. I hope that you will have gotten a taste of the power and enormity that God's word should have in each of our lives. This was an introduction 
How will it become food for your soul? You'll read it over and over again. You'll meditate on what it says. You'll allow God's voice to come off the pages of your Bible or the screen that you use to read God's word. Don't just read those words. Hear them and keep studying Psalm 119 until you know God like the psalmist knew God, until you walk in God's word, not perfectly because we never will, but faithfully because we will always try. I hope that's what this series of lessons out of Psalm 119 will accomplish in your life. May these words be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. May we hide these words in our heart so that we don't sin against the one that loves us most. May his word be your joy. And may you love his lessons and his teaching so that you can love him. Blessings to you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening today. With all the distractions of summer, we know how hard it can be to stay plugged into God's Word. That's why we're here. We want to help you stay firmly grounded in the truth of Scripture. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you hit that follow button so you'll never miss an episode.